Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're going to need each other. Konnichiwa. Oh, okay. Have we not done a Japanese movie? I feel like we did a Korean movie before, and I have said Anyang Haseo. I know how to say it. Yes. What Korean movie did we watch? I don't know. I don't think we did. Maybe there was something. Maybe I was just making reference to Arrested Development. Yeah. (laughs) That's quite possible. The languages are just blurring now. But uh, Konnichiwa. Well done. Simple. I like it. How's it going? I'm, you know... Yeah. There. Yeah. I'm there to meet the. We're just here. Yeah. I'm, we exist. I may or may not have COVID. My daughter okay, may or I may would, not have COVID. I didn't know COVID. if we were allowed no, to say it. No, we're going to say I'm it. I'm going to go like, Nadim has COVID. But, Nadim may or may okay. not have COVID. Nadim's daughter may or may not have COVID. Nadim's son may or may not have COVID. But my wife is, does not. There you so. go. It is May 2022. You've made it two years yeah. and a bit and now it's finally hitting you i still have not i know had the misfortune of getting the the vid i wonder how long i can last now probably not much longer <laughs> I, I think it's inevitable and like anyone i speak to like medical professionals are like you're gonna get it and it's better really? to just get it As... i do have a theory that i had it in january 2020 were you sick i had a bad like cold it was bad i do remember throat stuff and that was, there was a lot of people at work at that time. It was holiday season, mm. obviously. So like, and I worked in retail, yeah, so you're you mixing go. in. And I worked at a mall that was very much, had a lot of tourists. Yep. So it's quite possible. Yep. We also had a lot of people, employees at that time who had traveled to Asia Ooh, for okay. the holidays to visit family and then came back. So it's really possible. I, my sister had gotten sick in December 2019 and it was really bad for her. And so she thinks she had it then. And so then I think I got sick in January and then my roommate at the time got really sick and Mm. she never used to get sick and hers was really bad. And so I have a feeling I had it. Possibly, yeah. Yeah. That's reasonable. But does that mean I'm immune now? I don't know if it, I don't know what the stance is. I think you could still get it. That's what they say, but I think you're less likely to, or you're less likely yeah. to get the same strain or something. I don't know what the stance is. That's true. I don't know. But I also, I worked in retail for, from June 2020 until July 2021. Like, if I was going to get it, I should have gotten it then. But, you know? yeah, that's true, actually. Like, I'm surprised yeah. I haven't. I will say, I'm surprised I haven't at this point. And, like, I've gotten yeah. sick, and I've took rapid tests, and, like, they've come back negative. I'm surprised because it's not that I'm reckless but I have been I've lived my life like I've still gone to the movies I've gone to the mall I've gone to restaurants I've like met with people I've done things I still wear a mask I'm still responsible but like I have managed to still live so I'm surprised that I haven't gotten it I have a pretty like below average immune system I'd say like I pick up things pretty quickly yeah me too Although I will say that this past two years, I haven't gotten like sick, sick once. Like maybe I'll have congestion, but that's typically due to weather. Like that's not me catching somebody's germs, which is like pretty spectacular seeing how I used to get sick like all all the time. time. I would catch everybody's cold. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Masks work. Masks work. I truly do (laughs) think so. Yep. Well, I hope you don't have COVID and I hope your kids don't have COVID either. 
We'll find out. You'll find out next episode. Oh, yeah. dun, 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 dun. Oh, Mita, I have watched a lot of TV, though. Oh, really? Yeah. Tell me all about it. What have you watched? I watched Pam and Tommy, and okay. I finished it, unlike you, who abandoned I it. I didn't finish it. I couldn't get into and it. And I watched Only Murders in the Building. <gasps> I finished that recently, yeah. too. Okay, tell me about Pam and Tommy first. Okay, I thought it was okay. Uh-huh. I really liked Lily James. Like, really, yeah, really, really liked her it. performance, and she's the reason to watch it. Mm-hmm. I really like how they tried to give Pam's perspective. Like, they yeah. really did try to play it from how how it affected her more than anyone. Okay. And you do see that as the episodes go on. And that's the thing. I remember you telling me that, like, the Tommy Lee angle was a lot. And I remember starting it and being like, wow, this is a lot of him. And that yeah. changes. Okay. So it does, the the focus shifts... And it definitely, in the end, is about her, not him. Okay. So I really appreciate that. But her performance does keep it alive. Like, should absolutely. Should I give it a second chance? I think so. Truly, I do okay. think you should. I think Sebastian Stan ends up being more tolerable. Because I think his performance is a little over the top, if I'm being honest. I think it's accurate, if anything. Maybe. I think Tommy Lee is really obnoxious. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But what what the show does and what Lily James does is they make Pam Anderson incredibly endearing Mm -hmm. and relatable. And you really do sympathize. You really do like you feel empathy for her. You feel bad that this woman's career, regardless of the fake boobs and, you know, the playboy and all of that, how this derailed her and how Mm -hmm. now she became the butt end of a joke. Yeah, I'm trying to, but this is like, I'm trying to remember when VIP was like a thing. Do you remember VIP? No. Oh, <gasps> yeah. VIP was like a TV show. Yeah, it, VIP was after Baywatch, It must right? have been. And like it must after have been. Sex, so yeah. this is like the end of her Baywatch around mm-hmm. the time Barbara Iyer comes out. That's okay. the timeline. And like how gotcha. the sex tip affected all of that, essentially. Mm. And then how like Penthouse got involved in like, it's, it's interesting it's very spoon feedy, like they really feed it to you. Oh, okay. But she is reason enough to watch it. I really okay. hope she Can gets at least an Emmy it? nomination. I think she's really good. But I also was just really annoyed with the Seth Rogen character and that whole storyline. Yeah. I was just like, why do I care yeah. the why this person did this shitty thing? <laughs> like what what's the point of this? And his wife or ex wife. Yeah. Or whatever that situation whatever was. Whatever that was, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's okay. But I would watch it. It's okay. interesting. And like she is, I watched my brother and sister-in-law were over on the weekend and I was watching an episode and my sister's like, this is really trashy. And then by the end of it, she's just like, so is this worth watching? Because you do see what they're trying to do. And like mm-hmm. amongst the trash, there is a point. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I'll give it a second try. Yeah. Maybe. But you did also watch Only Murders in the Building. Yeah, I did. Okay. I just feel like the hype for that show or like the love that some people have for yeah. it is a little misplaced. Like, I don't think it's that great. I heard mixed things about it. Oh, I've heard really, Raves. like, people feel so strongly about it and how good it is. But I'm like, it's not that great. And also, okay, this could be controversial, mm. but Selena Gomez is not a great actress. She's not. She's, like, really not. Yeah. Um, She's just there, like you and I but are. But I feel currently. like her. She, it's, she's cast correctly for this. Because I don't think her... Do you think I do, that? I do think that, like, her character doesn't need much more personality. Like, she's correct. And I do find less the 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 Mabel Oliver 
whatever Steve Martin's character's name is, that yeah. relationship, I find the Steve Martin, Martin Short, Selena Gomez relationship endearing. The fact cute. that like That's these really two cute. are working with her, it's it's yeah. cute. That I agree with, yeah. but I just feel like, what does that say about your writing if you have a character that doesn't have very much of a personality and it doesn't play into... My takeaway on this is that it is yeah. better directed than written. Yes. Okay. I think I agree with that. It is. Because... Yeah. There are moments, like the Sting episode, for instance, the, the one before the Sting yeah. episode where he, like his dog is poisoned and then like... They're on the stage and it's like, don't stand too close to me. I was just like, oh, this yeah. is really well directed. This is a real, like, this. it's someone who knows how to be campy without being campy mm. and takes the writing and kind of really elevates it because the writing itself is quite ma. Yeah. Ho-hum. Ho-hum. But I did like the mystery. I thought it was fun. Sure. I'll watch so season two. Watch season yeah, two? Yeah, I will. Yeah. I think I will too. Because it. you're right. It is fun. It's very easy, very to, easy. to solve yeah. though. Very easy to solve. You knew it was her? Yeah. From what point? Well, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Basically from the moment I saw her. Really? <laughs> I was like, oh, you don't hire That's the thing. I people. hate that. I hate yeah. that when I'm just like, why did you hire an Academy Award nominee for this role? Yeah. If you plan on watching Only Murders in the Building, maybe don't listen to the part we just said. But like, yeah. Yeah. Did you love Tina Fey? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. She's like perfect. She does it so well. She does it so well. <laughs> you didn't write that. I did. Sarah Koenig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that her name is Cinda. Yeah. It's perfect. So good. But I remember okay. I remember watching another mystery movie and Knives Out is an example of it too, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's the biggest actor who isn't the hero. Always. Exactly. Always. Well, the other hint is if they don't use an iPhone, they're the the villain. Really? Have you heard this? Yeah. So this was like, oh, so Ryan Johnson, during the press tour for Knives Out, he revealed that Apple will not let you use their device if like the villain or the oh, evil character yes, is, I have killer heard this. is yes. using the, and he said that and they were all like, Ryan, don't say that. It's for our movie. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I think cell phones in general have kind of ruined movies. Cell phones in general have just ruined lives. Yeah. Generally speaking. <laughs> Yeah. It's always, I hate that in mysteries where it becomes predictable, not by mm-hmm. the story. Like if I were reading this on paper, what would I think? And that's. It's like when you're watching an episode of Law and Order SVU yeah. and you have a special guest star and you're like, oh, oh well, they, they must it. have had, yeah. they did it. Yeah. They're either the victim or they did it. Which is why I like Nathan Lane's casting because I was, because it did kind of give. It did throw you it off, did throw of that you a, off a bit. Because Nathan mm-hmm. Lane is bigger than the individual who did do it. <laughs> so. That does throw you off Depending. the scent a little bit. So that's, that's nice. But yeah. then when it happens right. in the show, you're like, oh, it's clearly not. So then mm-hmm. it must be. All in all, I thought it was cute. There you go. Have you watched Only anything murders. else? I haven't really. I've been, um, I discovered that City TV streams like all these old episodes of Law and Order SVU. Oh, so I've been like <laughs> just watching that all day, every yeah. day. But coming out, I think it came out today. Today is the the film version, the fiction. Well, it's not fiction. You know, the fictionalized not... retelling of the true story. Okay, the yeah. fictionalized <laughs> retelling of the staircase, yeah. which I am excited, but also know I'm going to be disappointed with. Yeah, it's Colin, <laughs> All in it's like, Colin Firth and Tony Collette. I just don't. I don't feel like this is necessary when you have like the re- when you know what really happened. 
or you at least can watch no 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 but like when you have a documentary that literally shows them from the moment this murder happened and follows around the family why do you need a fictionalized version of it because the documentary is too long but it's how I kind of feel about how what they did with Dirty John. Like the yeah. Dirty John podcast is really good and really interesting. And then the TV show, like, yes, it's very nice. Like for a weekend, if you want to binge, it's great. But like also not necessary because you could just listen to the podcast. You don't gain anything from watching the TV show. But there is a whole subsection of people who will not watch something because it's documentary. And that's Why? because they're, I, I think that's honestly truly what it is, that there is an mm. audience out there who are going to be like, oh, it's a documentary, even if it's true crime, they're not interested, but they'll watch a fictionalized retelling of it. And that's why these shows are successful. I don't know if I want to be friends with those people. Mm. You probably aren't, in all honesty, <laughs> okay. but they exist. <laughs> oh, well, well, I'm going to watch it regardless. Yeah, exactly. And I think you are too. Yeah. And I'm excited to watch it this weekend. Like I might watch it after we record. <laughs> there we go. I might too. I don't work till like late tomorrow. Yeah, I yeah, might do it too. Exactly. Okay. Should we watch it together and text at the same time? Maybe. I might fall asleep <laughs> okay. though. I can't promise that. Okay, that's fair. But Mitha, we aren't here to talk about staircases or banisters or doors. No. We're here to talk about hands and maidens. Yes. Because this <laughs> week we watched the South Korean erotic drama, The Handmaiden. Yes, we did. Do you want to give yes. us... Would you... I, I will give you a discro, give a discro if you please. please. Yes. <clears throat> a woman is hired as a handmaiden to a Japanese heiress, but secretly she is involved in a plot to defraud her. Yeah. Yeah. That's about right. Yeah. There's some twists and turns and some little surprises and there's a lot of nudity. Yep. Not a lot, actually. There's nudity. There's nudity, but there's a lot of sexual content. There's some risque moments, yep. <laughs> if you will. Yes. But uh, yes, so Nadine, before we get into all the risque-ness, why don't you tell me and our listeners why you asked me to watch The Handmaiden? Yes, so we are in bonus episode number three, meaning we are actually nearing season four, (laughs) season season three. three. (laughs) We should make sure we have all our movies. Um, I've tried to do this with you a bunch of times. (laughs) Maybe we find a day next week to do this. But anyways, okay. conversation for another day. (laughs) So The Handmaiden was on my list originally when I made my long list for season two, and mm-hmm. it didn't make the short list because, again, there was a variety of things I wanted to see and I wanted to show you. I've always enjoyed The Handmaiden. It came out in 2016, and it was there was a lot of fanfare about it, and there was a lot of good reviews, and it placed on a lot of lists. It didn't get nominated for anything. I think it was, I think it was Korea's entry for uh, Best Foreign Picture. It didn't get nominated that year. But I always found The Handmaiden a very interesting film because it's fun, it's sexy, It there's a little mystery, there's twists and turns. It's an engaging film. It's actually very long. It's two and a half hours, but it's a very engaging film, and I do enjoy watching it. However, the reason it didn't make the cut was because I've never felt emotionally attached to The Handmaiden. The mm. same way I'm emotionally attached to pretty much everything, either I was emotionally attached to it or I felt it was necessary in the film lexicon for you to see it or I knew it was something you would like. The Handmaiden didn't really fall into those things. It's a movie I like Mm. and I enjoy watching it. And I've seen it multiple times. But is it a movie that, uh, from my perspective, you have to see? No. So Mm. it really actually is perfect for a bonus episode. And I'm interested in this conversation because unlike Razi 
which I do have an emotional connection to. I really like it. I think it stands for something really impressive and I think it should be seen. I don't have that same connection to The Handmaiden. It's a movie I've yeah. watched. I enjoyed it. I think you should see it. That's why I selected it. But if you hate it, cool. <laughs> and that's that's truly how I feel. So it kind of fits bonus really well. And also, I was hell-bent on picking non-North American films for my bonus yes. episodes. So that's why I picked The Handmaiden. So I am truly curious to know what you thought. I want to know what you think I thought. I think you thought it was long. Because it is. I think we will have the same rating at the end. Okay. I think you enjoyed it overall. Okay. You're pretty, yeah. <laughs> You're, yeah. I, okay. The whole time I was watching it, though, I was under the impression that you really loved this movie because I talk about you it a lot. brought it up. Yeah. Hmm? I talk about it you a lot. You talk about it a lot. Yeah. A lot. And I've heard you bring it up like a ton of times. And so I was under the impression like, oh, Nadim really loves this movie. Yeah. One, I know, I've looked at the runtime, so I know that it is extremely long. Yeah. And then two, it does feel like a Nadim movie <laughs> when you start it. <laughs> what is it? Has it has the everything. Nadim movie presence. It has a sophistication to oh, it, is my, my nice way of yeah. saying it. Yeah. What's the um, not nice way of saying it? It's a little pretentious. Yeah. <laughs> But I, so I was always under the impression that you really loved this. Yeah. And as I was watching it, I was like, I don't love this probably the same yeah. way Nadim does. So it was really interesting to hear you say that you don't actually like have um, too much of a hold on like how you feel about it. But I just felt like it is too long. Mm -hmm. And I think my overall impression is like, this is actually a really like fun and thrilling movie yeah. to watch. Like it's an interesting story. Um, it's made well, and like there are like little surprises here and there that are really entertaining. But why is there this like tone of eroticism attached to of, it? Like extreme eroticism too. Yeah, it's like and, like super erotic. And I wasn't like you had warned me beforehand, like don't watch this in front of your dad, yeah. like that would be weird. And it took it does take a while for it to get to a really erotic point. Yeah. And then once it does, I'm like, oh, I'm glad I didn't watch this in front of my dad. That would be super weird. I'm glad I didn't. But I also just felt like I don't really think that the, it was necessary at all. I think it added length to the film, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And I don't see how it plays into the story being told. I think if you removed the scenes that are there, it's still a really interesting movie. Mm -hmm. And I don't see the point of it. I think, so this was really interesting because when I've watched it before, again, it was watched to be enjoyed. And I, this is one of few movies that every time I watch it, I'm like, I ha I'm not approved by any means, but I'm like, mm -hmm. wow, this is super sexual. And like something very aggressive about the sexuality. And I've seen yeah. movies with unsimulated sex. So m movies where... People have engaged in pornographic sex in a, like a fictionalized that isn't porn. No, like I've seen movies that are meant to be fictionalized, but the sex scenes are not. So, yeah, okay. I've seen. I haven't. <laughs> I've seen a lot of things. This, some reason about it, feels very, very aggressive. And this is actually what I took away from it this time okay. watching it. The prime sex scenes, there's two that take place, are mm -hmm. between two women. And it's mm -hmm. the same sex scene that you see from, like, two different angles, essentially. 
and it goes on very long. Mm-hmm. But because mm-hmm. it is, they're essentially lesbian sex scenes, the way they're directed and the way they're, the way you're meant to engage in them is from the perspective of a man. So you're, you're watching it from a, it is meant to be lurid and sexy and enticing and erotic. It's meant to be sexual. Whereas a lesbian directing two women having sex is not going to have the same, I think, lens on it. It's going to feel a little bit more organic. This doesn't feel organic. This feels pornographic. It, it doesn't. Well, so the so it's interesting. Like the main scene that happens between these two female characters mm. in one the movies it's separated into three yeah. parts, and in the first part you get an idea of like what happened with them, and I would say that that sufficient. point of view was much, sufficient and much more of a female point of view. I don't even think like, that was a female point of view, to be quite honest. I think it just gets worse. It, yeah. <laughs> it gets more detailed, yeah. which I feel like just wasn't really necessary. Yeah. And so I guess maybe you're right. Like from my, I don't know what it's like to have the male perspective, but from a female yeah. perspective, I just was like, this doesn't really belong here. Why? Like I, you're they So in, they tell you this in the first part. And then the second part, they're also retelling parts of the first because part. Because it's the first part is from one character's perspective and the second part is from another character's perspective. So yes. when you get to the and, sex And in this other character's perspective, it's just so much raunchier, I think is like the best word to yeah. describe it than it was previously. And like, I understand it's coming from someone else's point of view, but it just didn't, like, I didn't feel like we needed that. Like what you had there was suffice enough to actually tell the story. Like we understand that they had sex yeah why do i that they're in love with each other like that's you get you you establish that yes i think that they're much more attracted to each other than they are to a man yeah exactly i i think what really got to me this time and i think the reason i always find it very in your face more Mm. than other movies that are sexual and i'm trying to think of something that is like, like basic instinct even which is so in your face sexual, this still feels yeah. to me a little bit more like, oh, like there's. Like, what is happening yeah, why, here? Yeah, why, and why are we going on for so long? It, the sex feels very, and it might be because it's a lesbian sex scene directed mm-hmm. by a man. So there's no male nudity, there's no male involved at all. So even when, even when you have a sex scene with two people of opposite genders, there is still a man breaking it up. Right. And so the lens mm-hmm. on that sex scene involves another man. So it's not completely focused on the woman. So it feels a little bit more balanced. Whereas this feels like it's a man filming a sex scene with two women and it's like his wet dream, essentially. It truly feels like this is how the director imagined, wanted it, wanted it to, to look appear. like two women having sex. This is what he thinks. And this is. Without knowing his sexuality, his interests, without knowing those things. This is the perception I have of watching this. Yeah. Yeah. And that couples with the whole second part of this. There is this weird story about this old man. <laughs> I was going to say. Who yeah. has a. Book club. <laughs> who has a step niece who yes. he has trained to read erotic novels to other affluent men. Yes. So he holds, so basically once a month he holds a book club and in this book club, he has his niece. I don't care if it's step niece, that's your niece. <laughs> he has his niece read erotic 
books to these men as they sit there and they fantasize about, about her, her yeah. while she's reading this, these erotic novels. And I just, I'm kind of confused how that plays into the story. So this is, this is where I understand where you're coming from. And this is also an example of a movie for me where I feel like I'm missing something because I don't speak. The movie is South Korean, but there's a lot of Japanese in it as well. I yeah. feel like I'm missing something. I, okay, me too. I truly miss, I truly feel like there is a cultural subtext or there's something I'm not connecting with. Mm-hmm. And I will say that despite that and still liking this movie, that does say a lot about the movie itself as a like end piece. It's very well made. It's very engaging. It's all of those things. But I'm definitely missing something. Yeah. And then when I was watching, I kept thinking like, okay, I was thinking the same thing. This is probably a cultural thing. There's something that I'm not cluing into. I tried like going back a mm-hmm. couple of times and like seeing, okay, did I like miss a, a quote? Did I miss a line yeah, or something that kind of explains this a bit more? But I, I just wasn't connecting to it. And then I was thinking of like, is this because it is in a foreign language? And then I thought, well, no, because I've seen something like Parasite, which I don't like there are cultural differences yeah. there, but I was able to follow that movie along and to enjoy it so much. Here's the thing about Parasite. And the fact yeah. is you are Indian. And that is, I think, a big thing because <laughs> you think? the dichotomy in Parasite about class differences and mm. economical differences applies to India. And so That's you true. have a keen understanding of what is being shown on screen. Okay. We should ask a Caucasian person. Truly. Like, we really should uh, try to see if there's someone who was able to connect to that. But I remember recognizing the upstairs-downstairs politics of of Parasite is very apparent. Not just... So fans of Downton Abbey will understand, understand it and they'll get it. And that, uh, the, the aspirationalness of all of that and, like, how that works and how the how the lower class is kept lower, like constantly, like how it's very hard for them to get out. Like all of those things are very understandable because we've consumed them. We consume them in our lives and we've seen them Mm -hmm. even in Indian movies, right? So it it becomes a little bit more, I think, digestible for us. Is there, do you think that culturally there is this like, there's a South Korean or there is a Japanese like erotic book club culture that we don't know about? I like that's what I'm still wrapping my mind around. I think it actually might have to do with the perception of sex in erotica and our North American perspective it is. versus, yeah, our North American's perspective versus how it might be perceived in a country like Japan or South Korea. Do you think, like, because then I was thinking, what if this was in a North American movie and I don't think it would sit well with no, people? It like one, you couldn't be able to make it. No. And, or it would just sort of be like tossed aside. But I think that answers your question, right? I think the fact is it wouldn't be able to be made here. I think this would be vulgar here. This isn't vulgar either. Oh, so you feel like they're more accepting as a culture. And I think that has something to do with it. I think erotica in general might be more acceptable because Mm -hmm. of the culture. Sex and nudity and erotica might just be more accessible, more ingrained in the culture Mm -hmm. than they are for our North American perspectives. Mm. Which is why we're maybe not able to grasp that and why it's so casual in the movie. Okay. I will say, though, I actually really enjoyed this story. There is, yeah, it is. So like we had mentioned, it's about a a handmaiden who um, is involved in a plot to defraud a Japanese heiress. But then as you're watching it, you find out that the heiress and this con man are working together. But then you find out that the handmaiden and the heiress are working together. There's just a lot of like, ooh, ah, ooh. And it 
you know, you're on your feet the entire time because you're just interested, like, what's happening here? How is this going to change the story? I felt emotionally betrayed at one point. <laughs> <laughs> like when she goes to the mental institution? When she goes to the asylum, yeah. yeah. I was just like, what? <laughs> like, I was, How could you? <laughs> I clutched my pearls, let me tell you. I was very upset for yeah. her, and then I kept watching. And, and then at one point I was like, oh, no, no, no. This is going to work out. These two... Yeah. Like, they're, they're, the story. they're the story. We don't yeah. care about this guy that's here. But I do think it's really well made. I just, I really, uh, in my mind, if I remove those erotic scenes, I think it's a better movie. Am I a prude? I don't think you're a prude. I do think, though, that removing the erotic scenes remo- changes the energy of the film. And I think there is something to be said about the the sex and the eroticism being there to add tone Hmm. and to add i think the sex scenes for instance i do think the sex scenes are too long i think the eroticism is kind of well placed because i do find this is a movie that gets away with weird for the sake of weird and i'm there for it like what what else is like this that's the thing what What else is like this nothing from north america is like this and like eyes wide shut is maybe the closest you can get to something that is balls out sexual that's true. And Eyes Wide Shut is weird. Yeah. And it's about consumerism. <laughs> it's about a lot of things, right? And I think what yeah. I like about this is its prime goal is to entertain. It's really just meant to be a fun story, I think, for adults. I think it is a fun story. Yeah. I did really, actually. I enjoyed watching it. I just, I'm so, I thought you were like in love with it. Yeah, I so I was ready for you to come on here like guns a blazing and like defending it at every move. And I was no. like, I was going to be the proof that was like, nope, didn't need that. No. Didn't need to see them scissoring. <laughs> and that's another thing. A lot of lesbians yep. say scissoring isn't another thing. So <laughs> we should take a poll. Well, the, <laughs> a lot of lesbians say scissoring isn't a thing and it's something perpetuated by the male gaze and pornography mm-hmm. because it's a male fantasy. Have you ever seen Blue is the Warmest Color? I haven't. And I I want to watch it, but I also don't want to watch it. It's a three-hour lesbian drama yeah. with some extremely <laughs> graphic sex scenes, also mm-hmm. directed by men. By a man. Super unnecessary. <laughs> I don't know. I think the question of when is sex necessary versus unnecessary versus, you know, for the sake of being sexy... I think this movie really brings that up. And I, like you're saying, like, it's not necessary. I'm not sure I fully agree, but I don't disagree either. I think the sex scene could have been cut a little short because I found I was watching and I was just like, I don't know if we need to go from like position to position to position. Because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. if the point from a writing perspective and a plot point, if the goal is to get that they have passionate sex, I, I get it. I don't need to see... Her eating her out, and then them 69ing, and then, like, and then scissoring, and then climaxing, and then, like, tongue kissing. Like, I don't need, I don't need all of that. I don't need it. I understand it. It happened. Like, and they enjoyed it. Again, I'm not a prude about it, but, again, when I'm trying to watch a movie, I'm like, did we need all of this to establish they have passionate sex? When is it necessary? Like, I'm just... Just right now in my mind, deep water popped into my head. Not the best example. <laughs> which has one, which was like kind of sold as what erotic was supposed thriller, yeah. to be like a really erotic thriller. There's only like one scene yeah. 
in total that's like yeah. maybe a little bit risque but not even and i find that like it actually works for that movie to not have like i think it probably would have been a lot worse if we did have a lot more eroticism in it because like it's just a bad movie but i'm trying to think of a time when i've seen something where i'm like oh yes this is this is necessary this is what we need in this film and i can't think of anything right i now. think that i think basic instinct is actually a great example because to sh- yeah because it shows her like it gives you understanding of who she exactly is. and i think what it does is it it does what this movie doesn't whereas the sex scenes are all necessary to move your mm-hmm. plot forward Right. There is an understanding like when she has sex with Michael Douglas, when she has sex with the other like there's there's points where we're establishing a plot point and we're using sex mm-hmm. to do that. Whereas this, you know, four to five minute sex scene is like, yay. That I honestly I could fast forward through. Yeah. <laughs> and this movie runs at two hours and 25 minutes. Like there's probably I would say 15 minutes of like things that you don't actually need to see. And the fact is, is that we've already seen this sex scene. So what are we getting from perspective? What we've seen it in perspective A. What is perspective B meant to provide? Because it doesn't change. We should write a letter to him and ask. But what's the point? It does add sexual tension, and it does add sexual mm-hmm. energy to a movie that is meant to be sexual and titillating. Are are you not allowed to make a fictionalized movie that is titillating? Yeah, like I think things can be sexy. But I also think, I guess my parameter of, like, what sexy is maybe different than what some other people would think. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Like, show me Chris Evans in a suit. That's sexy. <laughs> but that's sexy. I'm talking about arousal. I'm, oh. uh, that's, but that's, look, I'm talking, uh, I'm talking about, there's di- a difference between, you know, showing um, a, an actor and actress shirtless or you know there's mm-hmm. i remember have you ever seen that movie english finglish with three davy no there's a scene where she's in bed with her husband and like he's sleeping and she's in a sari and the angle is from the top of like mm-hmm. showing and she angles toward him and you see the bat her back and her blouse mm-hmm. and she's like fully dressed and it's so sexy mm-hmm. just the angle and how it looks and i remember my wife turned to me and she's just like that's hot <laughs> and, this is, and it's not meant to be. It's not actively yeah. meant to be. But that's sexy, right? I'm talking sexual. Well, like, I just don't find, like, raw nudity and, like, really in-your-face scenes like that arousing. That's your personal taste. But is yeah. are we saying that movies shouldn't be that way? <sighs> Again, like, what does it bring to the picture? Like, why is this there? Does it actually add anything to it? And you're right. And the like, in, when you're talking about basic instinct, it t- it's a plot point for this character. And then, as an audience, you will understand her a little bit more and her psychology because she's a wackadoodle. And you and you cut you need it. Like, I think if you remove those scenes from the movie, then they it's not a good movie. So let me ask you this. Let me flip this around. We have an adult action movie. And by adult, I just mean like rated R. Okay. That has this lesbian sex scene in that. Mm Mm-hmm. Is this okay? Are you talking like a James Bond movie? Yeah, or something directed by like Michael Mann. Oh. Or Michael Bay, sorry. Not Michael Mann. Michael Bay. (laughs) Something that's testosterone-filled where the sex scene is definitely meant to titillate the men watching this movie. I don't 
I don't care for it. No, but does that not yeah. change your perspective on this? In, I think it's because I'm a woman, honestly. No, but I, what again, I guess I'm trying to say that like this sex scene in that movie feels yeah feels dumb. And you know exactly what it's doing. This sex scene in this movie, while over, like it's overdone and should be edited down, it still makes sense in it. I don't think it does, oh, though. Interesting. Yeah, like I much more prefer this if it was, if it didn't, like I, if part one had that, just that moment, that I get. You've set the tone. You've explained it to me. Why do we need like this hardcore scene of them going at one another. Like, I don't think it adds anything to it. I really don't. No, but what about tone? What about feeling? I think it shifted it, though. And it, I, I felt like it didn't shift in a good way. I think the movie then makes up for it in a lot more in terms of, like, what happens and um, the actual plot. But when I was watching it, I was like, oh, like, I don't know if I really, like, enjoy this. And then I was like, why does Nadim love this so much? Like, why is he into this? And now I'm hearing you say that, like, it's not actually that great. Was that opinion distracting? A little bit. Because the whole time I was thinking... Like, okay, this is something he really admires and he picks good movies and he has great taste. But like, what about this? Like screams like this is one of my favorite movies. You must watch this. I think that was in the back of my mind when I'm thinking about it now, though, I still don't like I feel like the movie would be. I think it would be better without those scenes. I don't know if you need that male's perspective. And I just don't understand I don't understand it. And, and you're right. It could be a cultural thing, but I don't understand how the eroticism plays into the actual story that's happening. Huh. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I find sex in movies a very interesting subject, generally speaking, because people have yeah. very divisive and very specific opinions about it. If you ask, like, my mom, she thinks there's no place for it. There's absolutely no reason there should be sex or nudity or talk of sex in a movie at all. Well, honestly, like the mystery of it, I find that I'm like your mom, I find that <laughs> sexier. Like for me to use my own imagination, I think that's sexier than me seeing two girls like raw dogging each other. Yeah, I think there's for definitely lack of better terms. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's definitely something more erotic about the like the the mystery, the, mystery, the, the planting of a seed of an idea. Yeah. And I think something like Gone Girl actually accomplishes this very well. There's some mm. it, there's some real erotic and real sexual scenes, but they're very short. Like that one, that scene, I, I keep it in there. Good on you, David. <laughs> like you, that makes perfect sense to me. Which one are you because talking you have about? To, her and Neil Patrick Harris. I'm also, but I'm talking about her and Ben Affleck in the beginning. Oh. Where he goes down on her after the party. Yeah, no, I still get that. No, I totally get it. And that's what I'm saying is (laughs) that, like, it's an erotic scene, but it's meant to show something that he is a giving person. Person. And that, like, why she was so into into him from the get-go. But it's short, it's quick, it's sexy, it's sexual, but it's it's not in your face. But I'm not sure I'm necessarily against sex in movies being in your face if it's done well. I don't want to, and I guess what I'm trying to say is, I don't want to see this sex scene in an action movie targeted for men, because no, I don't either. That I think is unnecessary. The sex yeah. scene in this, I think it could be short. I'm okay with how graphic it is, though. Mm, interesting. We have different viewpoints on yeah. that, then, sir. 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's a real thing about this movie is it, it's actually a very interesting story. It's a very clever, very fun story, but you gotta either accept the sex or look past the sex because there's so much of it. I just think the story is so interesting and it, is played out so well. Like I actually was on my toes and I think that's hard to do because typically when I watch things like this, I figure it out by the end and I'm able to say like, Oh, it's this part. It's like only murders in the building. I know who did it. And I'm this one. I wasn't like, I was kind of just like, I wonder where this is going to go. Like there is an air of mystery to this. And I just feel like it was muddled with all this like eroticism that wasn't really necessary. I think you're a little prudish then. Yeah, probably. (laughs) I don't think I am because like, Listen, one time I tried to get my sister to watch Hustlers, and she called <laughs> Hustlers softcore porn, and I was like, no, it's not. And I I think Hustlers is great. Yeah. I am all for Hustlers as a film and as a story, and like the actual real life story outside yeah. of that is very, very intriguing. Yeah. And I think I'm all for women, you know, using their body in ways that w- they want yeah. to. And so I don't think I'm a prude. I just think I'm a prude with this. Interesting. What are your thoughts yeah. on Eyes Wide Shut in terms of the sex in Eyes Wide Shut? I mean, I, so it's interesting because you <laughs> it's it's part of the plot is that they're part of the secret society that are doing things that they should not be doing. And you have these moments of him fleeting from what his like well-to-do life is and being in, enticed by like the the eroticism of who plays that Vanessa Shaw. Yeah. Right? Like he wants to see Vanessa shop. And I I don't mind it in there. I can accept that because I think that actually helps tell the story. I can't see in this movie why like I understand the two female characters falling in love with one another and you showing me that they did they slept together and that's how they like confirmed their validation of their love for one another. But I don't need them going at it like from the male gaze. I just don't and I and it the male character in this movie isn't important to me. I think that's a part of it too. Like I don't care about no, but he's not supposed to be. You're not it's supposed to. Clear, so why are yeah. you then showing me like what his fantasies are, what he wants from these, what he imagines these two girls? I, but I don't think that's what it is. No, but you're saying that like they're showing this from the male. But point I think of view, the male right? point of view in terms of the director being a male. But even at the end, when you have the creepy ass uncle asking, "How was it when you de-virginized yeah, my, yeah, my niece?" Yeah. That's clearly what his point is. He's trying to show you what what women expect from what men expect from these types of relationships. And I just don't think that like we need that in here. The Handmaiden would be a better movie without the scissoring, and I stand by that. Hmm. I don't. I don't think we agree on this. I think the scissoring could be kept in, but some of the other stuff could be taken out. I think there's a certain amount. I think we have 100% of eroticism and we could have done with maybe like 60% and it still would have accomplished the same thing. And you could have kept the scissoring in if that was the climax of your sex scene, but just take out other things because we don't need it to be Mm -hmm. that long. That's more my take. Yeah. And there you go. Do you have sequel prequel ideas? Not really, because I actually, like, I like how this ends. Like, the two bad guys die, yeah. <laughs> and the two girls get to be together and fall in love. And, like, I guess... The hmm? happily ever after. They, right? And I guess maybe, like, it also is 1930s yeah. Korea, so, like... <laughs> They've got some things coming. 
they definitely can't be out and about. Yeah. So like, how do they navigate yeah. that? I think that would be interesting. And I, I think that there probably are real life stories of lesbians who have to like hide their relationships during this time. I think that would be interesting yeah. to explore, but it would be a very different movie. I think the fun, like any of my sequel prequel ideas don't include sort of the fun, the fun aspects, heist parts yeah. of this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Did you have any? No, because I actually think it's very like well kept. Like I don't need a before mm-hmm. and an after. Yeah. Like I really like, I think it's very well contained. Yeah. yeah. So I will go into my rating then. There you go. But yeah, I think I, I, I also was really curious to see what your thoughts would be. I didn't think that you were going to love this, to be quite honest. Okay. I thought you would think it was interesting. I actually, you did think what I thought. I thought you thought, I thought that you thought this would be a fun movie, oversexed, but overall a, a good ride. And that's kind of what my... <laughs> fun intended. <yeah>. And I agree <laughs> with that. But I think what's interesting is that when I think about like suggesting this to people, for instance... I, I don't. Be careful. I don't. Yeah, because I don't think a <laughs> yeah. lot of people can handle it. I think it takes people who watch enough movies and not casually, who have seen enough sex in movies to not be taken aback by this. Otherwise, yeah. I can imagine some of my friends being like, <gasps> clutch pearls. Like it really just... Millie Sumpath, don't <laughs> watch this. Really just being like affronted by how overtly sexual this film is and how unabashed it is and that's something I actually really admire about it because I do find North American films about sex and about nudity are just it's so prudish and chaste and sex when you're talking about relationships sex is so important what is how sex speaks volumes and Mm -hmm. when you want to have these relationships without sex it just feels false and I mm-hmm. think, I don't think there's anything wrong about a movie being sexy and sexual. I think it's okay. I think there's a way to do it, and this could have toned it down a little more for brevity, and more because there is power in the subliminal mm-hmm. rather than the explicit. And this really accomplishes, it's ironic, because the whole second half when she's reading of these erotic stories, that's what it is. It's the subliminal. Right. Mm. She's talking about it. It's this beautiful woman who's saying all these dirty things. That's what's arousing these men. So why did we have to be so explicit about it? Why? Yeah. Right. Why muddle it? Why muddle it? And so I do think that's interesting. Do I think people should watch this? I do. I think it's a very interesting film. I think it's a very fun film. But if you're a prude, if you think if you don't like boobies or you don't like nudity or you don't like I'm not that. No, I'm not talking about you. I'm just saying in general. Because you like this overall. You like, you still have your stance on the nudity and the sex, but you did enjoy what the movie was. I think there's people who would not be able to get past the sex and the nudity. And it's not for them. This movie is not for those people. It's for someone who can look past that. I enjoy this film. I don't love this film. It's the perfect movie for a bonus episode because I can have it be trashed. And so for those reasons, I actually give this movie three and a half stars. Okay. The whole time as I was watching this, I kept telling myself, I told my boss I was watching this movie. (laughs) (laughs) But she's seen it. And she's seen it. And she was, I said like, oh, I have to watch this movie this weekend for my podcast. And she just said, oh, like, um, I've seen that. Like, it's it's definitely interesting. And then I said, oh, is it risque? (laughs) And then she said, yes, it, it is. And now I know that she's seen it and she knows that I've seen it. 
And like, I don't think I'm a prude at all, but it's also really weird to know that I know that she's seen it and she knows that but why I've seen that a it. Thing? I don't know. It's just like, it's a th- she knows I've seen it. Like, I don't know. I'm just like a She little... knows you watch porn. Like, it's not like that. But the scenes in this are explicit yeah. and essentially they are, they're not as graphic as pornography, but they fall under the same, like, yeah. this is softcore porn. Yeah. Yes. Yes, Millie. So yeah. don't watch this. This is actual softcore pornography. And I think it's interesting to me. I wonder what it was like when this movie came out because were people talking about the story or were people talking about those scenes? And I want, and I, when I, when Warm is the Blue Color was out and was like being promoted, that is what people were talking about. They were talking about those scenes. And so I was always sort of like hesitant to watch it because from what I heard, like it didn't really add to the picture. And so I didn't watch them. And I think. That this movie without the explicitness is actually really entertaining and fun. And it's a a fun story to follow along and it'll keep you on your toes. And there are some surprises there. It's well acted. It's well directed. It's well shot. It's a really beautiful movie to watch too. Um, It's set in Japan. In Korea. Korea. It's set in Korea. And it's meant to be set in like the 1930s. And so there's like a... There's an Asian simplicity to it that's really, like, attractive. It's very Memoirs of a Geisha. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The favorite movie is Memoirs of a Geisha. And so I think, like, as a film, it is very good. And, like, if you want, if, I'm trying to think who I would recommend this to. And that is where the problem lies with me. But you would recommend it to someone like me. To you, yes. But I don't know many people like you. And I think... There's an issue there of, like, if you can't say, like, oh, you should watch this to someone, like, that's, I, I think, obviously, people are allowed to make whatever mm-hmm. they want, but I also think that that doesn't bode well for the film that you've made. Yeah. Like, even, there are films, like, if you take it a director like Quentin Tarantino, who doesn't always, like, who, his action scenes are kind of unnecessary, or even someone like Michael Bay, who, like, is just sort of gratuitous and, like, unnecessary, they still are appealing to masses, um, that anybody could really watch. But this, I can't say to everybody. I just want to ask one question before you get to your reading. Yeah. Does that just mean we stomach violence more than we stomach sex? Well, yeah. And I think, like, I don't agree with that, but that <laughs> I think that's just, like, a fact of life yeah. that as society, we're terrible human beings. Like, we can stomach Uma but Thurman like, cutting off people's I limbs. Could, I could say to someone, watch Hustlers. Okay, I could, yeah. and there's sex and hustlers, but I can't. I wouldn't say to just anyone watch The Handmaiden, and I think that that's an interesting point. I I said it before. I think this would be a better movie without the explicit scenes. I think the subtle scenes are enough to actually suffice for like what you're trying to say in this story, mm-hmm. and still keep up with the plot that you already have. But I just don't feel like those explicit scenes need to be there. So I will be giving this a three out of five. Okay. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Are you kind of happy you saw it, though? I'm glad I watched it because it's different than... Yeah. You know, it's interesting because the actual story itself, like, I'm sure there are other movies that are similar like this. Yeah, this isn't... But I enjoyed this much more because it's a different culture and it's a different timeline and, like, it, it, it is different than the movies that it is like. Yes. Yeah, there you go. There, Yeah. But I just, there are things about this that I just didn't like and that I don't feel are necessary. Like, I can't see an explanation of why I, why those scenes are there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Totes cool. Totes my goats. Totes my goats. 
All right. But Mitha, I think that's enough talk of scissoring for tonight. <laughs> or any, any night. night. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> we still have two movies left. Oh. And now it's time to play. Different characters. Same. Okay. I think you'll get the um, characters, but I don't think you'll get the movie for this one. Um, I'm getting my timer out. Okay, so the characters are Molly Jensen, Betty Rubble, Wednesday Adams, and your timer starts now. Watching now and then. Yeah! (laughs) How did you know what now and then is? I know what now and then is. You do? Yeah, I've never seen it, but oh. I know what now and then is. You know what it, it is. It was though. Rosie O'Donnell okay. for yes. Betty Rubble. Betty Rubble is Rosie O'Donnell in the Flintstones. Yeah. And then Wednesday Adams is Christina Ricci, who plays yeah. younger Rosie. Yeah. And then who's the first one? Molly. Molly Jensen. Here's your kin. Molly, you in danger, girl. I don't know, actually. You don't know Molly, you in danger, Probably. girl? Probably. It's Demi Moore in Ghost. Oh, Demi Moore. There we go, yes. Yeah. Demi, it's not a. I'm very disappointed that you don't know Molly. Film. You and Danger I, I haven't Girl. seen Ghost in years. But it's Molly. I know. You and Danger I know. Thanks, man. <laughs> if we watched Ghost for this podcast, you know what the quote yeah. <laughs> would be. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're watching now and then. I don't think I've ever gotten one that quickly. I, no, I don't think you <laughs> have either. It's not even. It's three seconds. Yeah. You got it. Good job. Thank you. I'm very proud of that one. Okay. Yep. Ma, now and then. Now and then. What do you know about now and then? It's about four friends. And then we uh-huh. have two perspectives. We have now and then. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. It's also... I'm so excited for you to watch super it. super female movie. It's a super... Fe- well, we... No, I'll talk about okay. that next week. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, so that's for next week. Where am I watching it? Um, I think it's on Crave. Okay. It's stream. It's streamable. It's streamable, though. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Okay, so that is for next week. We will be watching Now and Then Then. Or talking about yep. Now and Then Then. Mita, do yep. you have... Mita only had one line. And she decided. She didn't even ask my opinion. She was like, this is it. And I was like, cool, whatever Mita wants this time. Well, did you have anything that you would no, have liked? No, but I don't... I also don't watch it with that in mind. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, that's a good line. That's a good line. But I don't, like, make notes that I, I know you do. Yeah. Okay. And, and if you're confused about what we've been talking about, I think this line will yep. give you what you need. <clears throat> At least I'll die with my cock intact. There you go. That's exactly but it. But he, he says it in Korean. Or yes, it's not in English. It's trans. It's not. Yeah. So there's that. <laughs> but thank you so much for okay. listening, friends. Please like, subscribe, share, and... Rate and review. And we will see you next week for now and then bonus episode number four. Woo-hoo. Have a good week. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by no one. You can follow us on Instagram at Movies to Watch Pod, on Twitter at Movies the Number Two Watch Pod, on the TikTok at Movies to Watch Pod, or send us an email at Movies to Watch Pod at gmail.com. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs>